Hey, thanks so much for listening to this message. My name is Jason, and I'm one of the ministers here at the Madison Church of Christ. It's our hope and prayer that the teaching you hear today will bless your life and draw you closer to God. If you're ever in the Madison area, we'd love for you to stop by and study the Bible with us on Sundays at 5 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you have questions about the Bible or want to know more about the Madison Church, you can find us online at madisonchurch.org. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast as well as our sermons podcast, Madison Church of Christ Sermons. Thanks again for stopping by. I hope this study is a blessing to you. All right, if I were to ask you what you as families here have witnessed in the parents of our teens, how would you, what would you think about those parents? Give me your, your read on how our parents are doing. Yes, ma'am. No, I'd love to hear it. So you think good parents. All right, did y'all hear that? Yes. I think parents are doing a good job, but I think it's a little more than that. I think it takes a village. And so, you know, I am here for just the overall environment because I know that there's people taking care of my sick kids outside of myself. Yep. Anybody else? Just any observations? Any? I mean, if you want to brag on any one person, that's fine. Just I just like to hear... You know what? We don't want to put anybody down, but if there's positive remarks that can be said, yes. First time I came on a, anything with Madison was in 2004. And we were treating Gatlinburg, and out of the, I don't know, six or eight lessons that were given that weekend, I think all but one or two were parents. Yeah. Their dads that got up in front with their teenage kids present and spoke about spiritual things. Um, I don't know if there's anything more poignant than that experience about the culture. I don't think that that has changed. Yeah. That's great. Could you all hear that? What are you saying? That, you know, and that's been something that I've seen even in all of my time here is parents are always seemingly engaged with their children. Like we, we have parents who, you know, spend time with their kids. They're invested in the youth ministry. They're invested in, you know, hosting events and activities for their children here. Like we've always had pretty good parent involvement. Anyone else? Yep. Um, when we went on the ARC trip uh, last winter, um, some teenage girls, I mean, just really kind of took our kids under their, I mean, Andy fell asleep in one of their laps, like on the bus ride. You know, that's, that's a relationship. That's, these kids are reaching out and they have to learn that from somebody. Yeah. So they're seeing their parents do that too. That's great. I, I, I've got experiences at Rainbow Omega, which is like a uh, special needs assisted facility uh, place, and uh, just to watch the kids, you know, be comfortable in that environment and be nurturing and loving. I've seen that at our Smiles Day here. Lots of things. What else? Yep. Digging in and just spending hours of late night with 
other parents volunteering and doing all this stuff. It's such an encouragement to, to everybody inside. I feel like it's like a, it can have a snowball effect. Now, any of y'all pay attention to the teens up in the front when they're in worship? I mean, for the most part, <laughs> they're they're listening. They're, they may have a kid or two on their phone or those kinds of things. I look at them and I think those are those are pretty good kids. I get to go on retreats with them uh, because my kiddos are in that group. And again, I see not just the parents, but I see those kids, and I watch them interact with each other. I watch them look out for people who are struggling, who need a friend at that time, someone who needs to be brought in and accepted and welcomed. I've seen that. I mean, I've seen that over and over. Yes, ma'am. Great. Yes. Hey, kind of going back to what Craig said about it taking the village, I love the fact that the, the staff, administration, youth directors, whatever here, provide opportunities to give parents to uh, cross-check the other kids. And the main thing I'm thinking about is the fan groups. You know, we've got an opportunity to pour into kids that are not our own. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, like, I agree with Craig, but the village deal, 100%. But it's great to be a part of that and being able to develop relationships with those other kids that aren't your own. Great. Any other observations? Yes, sir. I think there's a good top-down approach, too, where it seems to you know, trickle down from the top and it, there's, there's examples and mentors and people to look up to at every level. And so, you know, the older kids are looking down at the younger kids and they can look up to them and say, I want to be that someday. You know, there's... There's people that are parenting that say, you know, I would love to be an elder someday. There's always you know, somebody to look up to, and, and you know, and they're not afraid to talk to you and, and be there for you and be your friend and, and, and be a part of the village, you know, like we're, like we're saying. I am not unique in this, but when I came to interview here in 1999... Um, <coughs> One of the things, as I was asking questions, Cindy was asking questions, and we were just going back and forth and kind of trying to figure out if this was the right place for our family to be. Um, You know, Cindy asked the question like, well, what's expected of the minister's wives? You know, those kinds of things. But then we asked the question, you know, about like time and how much we need to be here and those kinds of things. And one of the elders stopped me and said, time out just a second. I want you to be, I want us to be clear about one thing. He said, the greatest ministry you can do for our church is to bring up a good family and help demonstrate how to pull that off. And, of course, we're struggling to do that. But that was like, okay, where do I sign? Because it told me that the shepherds themselves felt like the highest priority was for all of us to be faithful to God and to bring up our children that way. And they were going to do what they could to nurture that. And they told me, if you ever get off balance, we'll let you know. 
And there were times where they said, okay, we've noticed what you've got planned. That's too much. How do we have time with your family if you're doing all that? You choose the two things that you want to take off of that list, or we will. You know, so you prioritize. And uh, there have been times where they've said to me, I want you to go, get away for a little bit, because they could just tell that I was overwhelmed in what I was doing. So I'm saying all that to say there is a top-down approach in that the shepherds themselves value family life so much. And so all that has done, at least in my time here, I have just seen that being nurtured and nurtured. And I look around and I see brilliant people who are also brilliant parents. Okay? But I want you to know that that does not equate faithful kids. Are you all with me? And I'm saying all this not to discourage us or to make us feel bad about what we're doing or what has been done in the past, but I want you to know that our kids struggle in the same ways everybody else does. So as we're looking at this and we're talking about these things, I want you to know while we are talking about this and we're trying to troubleshoot this a little bit, we're trying to talk to our children about sexuality to keep them away from you know hazards in their life and to keep them from falling into some things that will be very destructive in their life. While we're doing that... The devil is still right there in their ear all the time. And the reason I'm asking all these questions about the families here is because when I look out, I see in this room wonderful families, great parents, moral people. I see you snapping your kids in line. I see you bringing them to the bathroom. And, you know, I, I hear all that stuff. And I just, you know, every time I do, I go, thank you, Lord. You know, because I'm thankful that we have an approach here in this church that says our kids are important and we need to keep them straight. Not that we are wearing them out all the time, but that we are training them to love God and to follow what He is saying. That's the whole point of all this. So what I'm about to share with you may be a little bit of a gut punch. Okay? But I'm doing this because... I want you to know that when when I was in youth ministry and when Jason and I worked in youth ministry together, we would have these guys and girls retreats where we would talk to the kids about sexuality. Well, we did that a few times, and then we got to one year where we decided that we were going to put down a questionnaire in front of them. This was actually after my time uh, in youth ministry. I think Jason was probably still here. But this is 2013. We did uh, a questionnaire. Please, just please for me. Okay, thank you. Uh, where we'd created a sex questionnaire for our teens to give us an idea. Now, the, the, uh, what say? It's been, it's been enough time now, okay, that these folks are grown up. Some of them may be in this room. I don't even know, okay? But at that time, of the people that filled out this survey, 42 girls, 50 boys, represented about 65% of the youth group, okay? Uh, and they were surveyed regarding their attitudes and participation in sexual activity. So for our girls at this time, 3 of 42, or 7%, reported being sexually active. Now, I do want to say something here. We didn't, like, screen this and go, oh, visitors, y'all come here and go out, you know, out the door while we do this. We just en- encompassed everybody. So we don't know exactly how that affected this because this was all done anonymously. 2 of 42 that had engaged in oral sex. 4 of 42 had sent or received new photos through cell phone or internet. 5 of 42 had engaged in phone sex. 19 of 42 had, had to stop someone from touching them inappropriately. Has that hurt anybody besides me? I remember when we got this, we, we had suspicions about stuff. 
I remember looking at these results and just, you know, feeling sad. But at the same time, knowing they have great parents and great family lives. You know, at least from what we could tell. For our, let's see, a few more for our girls here. 11 of 42 said that someone in our youth group had said sexual things to them about or about them. 6 of 42 felt pressure to engage in sex. 7 of 42 did not equate oral sex with intercourse. In other words, they separated those two, one of them being okay, the other one off limits. 37 of 42 do not believe their purity can be regained after being sexually active. That may not mean much to y'all, but for me, it, it, it kind of concerns me that the tones that we're using are as you got one shot in your life to get everything perfect, and after that you've blown it, it's, it's the, the rest of your life is miserable. And I, I think we just have to be careful about how these things get communicated. Uh, one of 42 believed that it is okay to experiment sexually with the same sex partner. That was back in 2013. For our guys, 8 of 50 reported being sexually active. 7 of 50 had engaged in oral sex. 12 of 50 had sent or received nude photos. 12 of 50 had engaged in phone sex. 12 of 50 had to stop someone from touching them inappropriately. Again, back in 2013. 11 of 50 had uh, someone say something sexual to them or about them. 16 or 32% of them felt pressure to engage in sex. 32% felt or do not equate oral sex with intercourse. Uh, 12 out of 50 or 24% played video games with sexual content. 14 of those 50 reported visiting pornographic sites on the Internet. So about a, a little more than fourth of them. 2013. But recently, okay, and the last one of these that was done was in 2019. And so these are some of the things that will give us a little bit of a comparison to how things are trending, okay? And, and I'm saying all this to say, I know we've got great parents. These kids are great. These kids are great. You get around them, you spend time with them, you will see their hearts. You will see their desire to do the right thing. What I'm saying to you is they're in the midst of a battle. And so this is, what, three years ago, 24% of our male teens saw pornographic material online at least six times a week. And 24 of 46, or 52%, said they did it at least once a week. What is that? What, is just, what are some things that you're taking away from this? Just be thinking about that. We're going to talk about it in just a few moments. 21 of 46, or almost half of the teen guys, keep their phones overnight. And what I mean by that is they take their phones up to their bedroom and go to bed with them. Okay, think about that for just a moment. It's even more so with girls. 29 of 32, 91% of the girls kept their phones overnight, charged them by the bed or kept them in the bed with them. 9 of 6, or 56% teen girls, had to stop someone from going too far sexually. So do you remember what that was before? It was in the 20 or 30 percent, now 56 percent. Ten of the 46 teen guys had to do the same. Now that just means they, had, they felt the need to stop someone. That does not mean that they didn't participate. 
Does that make sense? So there's some things that are not necessarily crystal clear about this, but at least to give you an idea. 6 of 16, 38% of our teen girl respondents had sexually touched the privates either above or below the, the clothes of another person. And only half of the girls responded to that particular question. So that tells me that there, there was a hesitancy to just be really honest. Maybe for fear of someone figuring it out. 12 of 46, where a quarter of our teens had never had, this is our guys, had never had a conversation with their parents about sex as compared to our teen girls with only 5 of 29 saying they had not had a conversation. The average age of the first sex talk was 12 for our girls, and for the guys it was 11. All right, so thoughts. Anything that jumped out to you that you thought, wow, that's, that's something? And what, what do we think the, the percentage is going up? What do we think causes some of that? Sorry? It's a culture shift? Yeah, access is Access. Because in 2013, I, you know, you, I didn't have a smartphone in 2013, but now, like, everybody does, and all their kids have, you know, have smartphones, and uh, so there's a lot more access, easier access, and it's easier to access it without anybody knowing that you're accessing it. Whereas before, you know, probably, you know, uh, in 2013 and before smartphones became so pervasive, you know, if you were going to access something like that, you had to do it on a computer. Right. And it had, you know, you know, typically you'd have the family computer somewhere where, you know, somebody could come up behind, you know, it wasn't as easy to hide it. Right. As it is now. Right. And I think that's part of that phone conversation of our, us allowing our kids to take their phones to their bedrooms, close their doors, and have that privacy. Uh, there were other things in the service. I didn't get into all of them, but, like, there were different things about, like, the demand for privacy and those kinds of things, how kids at certain ages were, you know, basically requiring that they, to their parents, that I need this when I, when I go to my room at night. I need this to do more study, or I need to look at something, or I need to reread that thing for my assignment tomorrow, or whatever. And so they'll use that as a way to, to keep that phone. What else? Anything else? A lot of media, whether it be social media, um, TV, a lot of the things now, I mean, just even in the commercials, you know, are a lot different. You know, they're more explicit. So. Yeah. So they're, they're, a lot of things are put out in front of them. And I guess all this I'm just saying to us is that we're, our good parenting is not going to equate necessarily, you know, perfect children. But what I am saying is there's a necessity for us to get out in front of some of these things talk to our children earlier, get into these conversations that are not comfortable, you know, love them enough to shield them from some things, make some tough decisions, learn the word no, and tell them it's just too soon, you don't need that, or whatever it may be, to help provide some of those boundaries that are needed. All right, so we talked about how we're all made in the image of God, and I'm going to fly through these slides real quickly because they're really just meant to be sort of getting us back to where we were. 
last time. You know, God said, let us make man in our image, and He talked about that, male and female, He created them. And then there were certain jobs that, that you know, mankind was required to do. One was to replenish the earth, to multiply. The other was to take care of the rest of creation. But being made after God's likeness means that we are a visual representation of God as well as a spiritual being. And that's important because that spiritual being needs to be restrained and refined as we grow closer into the image of God. Does that make sense? Like there's an expectation that that internally we're beginning to ask ourselves tough questions and we're making adjustments and making better decisions and those kinds of things. So this means we're growing our knowledge. And I'm not going to read these passages, but 2 Peter 1, 3 through 11, Galatians 5, 16 through 24 are really talking about how we take the, the fundamental faith that we have and there's a necessity for us to kind of continue to refine these things, okay? And so it talks about growing, you know, in faith and virtue and knowledge and temperance and patience and godliness and all those things. And then the fruit of the Spirit are there in Galatians chapter 5. So we talked how, you know, the little boys and girls' bodies are mostly the same. There are a few differences. God uh, made the male and the female body differently. And that there's a certain sense in which they're continuing to mature. And there's always going to be changes going on. You know, when our children are toddlers, uh, there's a lot of things that they're learning on the fly. And it's real fast. Uh, You know, I love it when you put a toy in front of a new, you know, let's say a couple-month-old baby. And they're, you know, they're... (laughs) trying to grab things, but you look up later and you can throw something at them and they'll put their hands up to protect themselves, catch a ball or whatever. It's interesting how just that little bit of experience and time helps them to generate the ability to do things physically. So I want to just hit a few passages to just remind us of how important our creation, the creation of us is but also the importance of how that is transitioning back to God. Like, we're not just created for the sake of we're a being. We are made for the purpose of, of returning ourselves back to God or growing in our relationship with God. So Isaiah 64, 8. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. The insinuation is that, that God creates us and that we ourselves allow him to shape us. That we look at what he says, we compare who we are to that, and then we make adjustments to try to align ourselves with God. Psalm 139. These are important because your children need to know that God made them special. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, and as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. Man, if we need to read that passage to our children every day and let them know just how special they are and how God made them uniquely perfect just the way they came. I love this. Psalm 22:10. On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Jeremiah 1:4. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. Ephesians 2:10. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Get the picture. We were created not to just be aimless beings. We were created to return back to God. We were created for His purposes, for His will and His good pleasure. And so we we need to remind not only ourselves, but also our children of that, that there's a necessity for them to recognize they have an obligation to follow God. And then there's this passage when it regard to sexuality. There's lots more that we could use. I just kind of settled in on this one. Flee from sexual immorality. We need to read this to our children. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. I think we need to remind them that all of us are to glorify God in what we have. All right. So, with that being said, there are some things we need to be preparing our children for. And uh, we're going to get, next week, we're going to get really, really into the, the deep weeds of this stuff. What's happening to our bodies physiologically. Uh, we're going to talk about like what's happening to them emotionally how their bodies are growing, how that happens, and what we can do to help enhance that and help them understand what's happening to them as they grow up. But these are things that are coming, all right? Puberty, and we know what that means, okay? And you can read all this. I don't want to get into all the the small details. Oily skin and acne arrive. Sweat glands become overactive and emit an odorless secretion. (laughs) Yeah, but it still stinks because it mixes with bacteria, and that's where that nasty comes from. Anyway, they have growing pains in their legs. That's both of them, boys and girls. Through a very complex series of events, these secretions create a sexual attraction between males and females through pheromones emitted from the body, unconsciously detected through the developing olfactory system. That's disgusting, isn't it? (laughs) One of the last systems to develop into adulthood is the preteen's ability to smell. And that is the truth, okay? Cindy was a fourth grade teacher, and they had her at a, in a portable out at Monrovia Elementary. And I don't know, maybe about halfway through the school year, as it got hotter and warmer and all those kinds of things, she would go into that portable, which was really not even, she wasn't supposed to do this, open up all the doors to let wind blow through because the kids had no concept of their stank, <laughs> for lack of a better term. They... That's the last thing to develop on them. They don't know they stink. We're going, whoo, my goodness. But they don't know that, okay? They haven't developed that ability to even recognize it. But at the same time, they are picking up little things from the opposite sex and it is attractive to them. So changes coming from boys. His penis and testicles will grow larger. Voice will change and become deeper. His Adam's apple will become more prominent and his muscles will get more defined. Now, this Adam's apple thing is funny to me. It, it really is, because their, their voice, their vocal cords and everything. And I was, I was thinking about this as I was studying for this class, and I couldn't help but think about my son, Nick. Now, you want to know what this looks like? I'm going to give you, like, this is a kid who's 13 years old, okay? I made him literally come to my office about an hour and a half ago. He said, Let me, I just want to take a picture of your Adam's apple. Um, and he said, no. Do a video because I can make my Adam's apple talk. So, you get this for free. This is Nick Presnell. 
13-year-old goober. Uh, and this is something you'll never, ever forget. <laughs> I'm so proud of him. I mean, I don't even know what to say. I'm actually proud that he didn't care, that he would just come and do that. But anyway, so there, there, is, there are some physical changes that happen, and they just get kind of gangly and weird looking. They, they're not in control of all their limbs, you know what I mean? Like they're bumping into stuff all the time. They're growing at such a rapid pace. If I showed you a picture of Nick in 2019, you would see he was about this tall. Well, now he's the same height as Gage. He's like 5'9", 5'10". You know, it's crazy that that happened just so quickly as his body is developing. All right, so for the girl, she'll become more hourglass in the hips and legs. Her breasts will swell and grow. Her hair will begin to grow thicker, and her body is preparing for menstruation. So this is something that, you know, a daddy doesn't know how to prepare a little girl for something like this. Uh, so it is important for moms to make sure that they are on top of this to just help your child. I mean, just imagine what happens when they have that first experience and they haven't heard anything about it before. It's, like, frightening. So let's make sure that we... We share with them what they need to know there. All right, so all of this God has done to prepare our bodies to mature and to have children. That's the whole process is to make us so we can procreate, so we can continue to replenish the earth. That's what God asked us to do. And in the midst of all this, really is important for us to get ahead of that curve and to make sure that we're talking to our children in advance. All right, so what's our parents' role here? What, what do we do here? First of all is maintain and develop uh, a routine filled with habits of physical exercise, sleep, and consistent nutrition. Why is that important? Somebody in the medical field in here tell me why that's important. For somebody not in the medical field. Why is that important with regard to this development? You do. That's exactly right. In fact, one of, the, one of the most important things, and I've read this book, it's called Teenage Guys, and, it's, and it talks specifically about the guys, about how important it is at about 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night, what happens is their body begins to be flushed with these growth hormones. And if they don't fall asleep, what happens is it comes across almost like adrenaline and causes them to stay up later. So if they don't hit that bed and go to sleep at that certain time, they'll get this spike in energy and they'll stay up all night. But what they're doing is they're keeping their bodies from that growth spurt that they could be getting by not getting the sleep and the rest that they need. Physical exercise is good to just strengthen their bones, get them growing, and uh, nutrition, obviously. Anybody else got anything? Yes. One thing is to establish a habit so that it's not going to be too many years before they're off at college and we're not around to make sure that they're doing the things that will be and metabolic rates are a real thing, too. Sorry, that's not, maybe that's just for me. All right. Being present, we will help them work through questions that they have when they appear. In other words, sit with them while they're on their phones. Cuddle up next to them. I mean, you know, my kids will try to spin around, you know. I'm like, hey, let me spin with you. You know, like I, I, I'll try to do the dance with them. You know, it's like there's nothing to hide, right? So let's just, let's just be there present. If a video is funny, hey, what's funny about it? Show me. You know, I try to engage so I'm in their world a little bit more. So when something does come, you know, it pops up. And you may not deal with it right there, but you may find a window that makes natural sense to roll that into a conversation. So keeping conversations in terms of faithfulness to God 
will help the child see the importance of pleasing Him. So in all these ways, you just need to keep bringing God back into the equation. And while your child navigates this variety, because there's lots of things going on in their bodies, physical, emotional, mental changes, uh, you be the constant. They're going to have friends that are changing rapidly. They're going to have friends that have hormones being poured into their system. It's going to become more volatile. Okay, that's why people are scared of these teenage years is because of the volatility of all that change going on at once. But what I'm saying to you is that's getting earlier and earlier. And I don't know if it's in the food that we're eating or if it's just what they're being exposed to, but all these things are developing earlier and earlier. And so we need to be talking to them about that. We're talking about this, have the talk. Um, And if you haven't already, go ahead and begin having a conversation on simple terms with them. Go ahead and reassure them that when they do have questions, that you are the one who can provide those answers and that you will not hold back, that you will answer their questions fully and completely, that there's no word that they will use that you will shudder and back off and say, oh, don't ever do that. Like, don't act that way. Let them come to you. Let them be transparent and wide open. You be transparent with them. Don't look like you're shocked and blown away by things. Just receive what they're saying engage in the conversation, and begin to develop that closeness and that intimacy with your children that allows them the freedom to lay things in front of you that are not going to cost them something. Okay? I think that is really, really important. Um, when people come to my office to talk to me about, about things in their life, I often say to them, first of all, you got nothing here but a, a, a big dum-dum. Okay, that's, that's what my master's degree is in. And when you talk to me, I want you to know that it's going to stay in this room. So there's a safety net in here. You can say whatever you want. You can use whatever words you want to use. I'm not going to judge you for those things. You need to get some things off of your chest. You need to, like, lay those things out. Then feel free to do that. Because in this room, I want you to know you're loved and supported. And I want you to know that all of us need that kind of freedom and that transparency with a spouse or with a friend that we can lay those things out and be honest with each other because I think too much of what we've done in the church is to conceal and hide. We're just like Adam and Eve. And I think it's important that our kids see that we're willing to share with them some things as well. Uh, Speaking of that, we'll get into that in just a moment. Talk to them with clarity about their bodies, what's happening to them, you know, what's going to be changing. Let them know that this is coming and let them know that it's an exciting time. This may sound odd, but I, I, I talk to my kids all the time about, like, the next stage of life. And I know they get tired of it because, like, I'm already a pawpaw, you know, like way down the road. But I'm trying to get them to think in terms of what does my life look like down the road. And if you have this vision of what you want that to be, what are you doing now to get there? And so I think even in regard to this, it's important for them to see, okay, I want a great marriage I want to be with someone that I love, that loves God, that, that is going to bring my children up the right way, that's going to have the right kind of principles and the right background. Like, so then that starts helping you see what you're needing down the road. Um, talk to them on their level. Use words that you know you've heard them say, okay, or that you've heard other kids their age say. Try to be relevant with them and be on their level. So here's the, here's the part that gets us kind of uneasy is the idea of talking to our children about things in our own lives. You know, there's, there's probably some times where things are appropriate and some times where they're maybe not appropriate. But 
it would be great if we could come to our children and talk to them and say, I made this mistake. You know, one time, I'll, I'll give you an example. And I've told my kids this. Don't use the word love. Don't use the word love. Don't do it. You don't even know what it is. Don't, don't make some sweet girl, you know, think that you have fallen head over heels in love and that a ring is coming. Don't, don't do it. Okay? I say to them, don't use the word love. You can love them like a sister. You can love them like a friend. But don't do this, put this pressure on yourself by telling the person that you're dating that you love them. Don't do it. Well, I happen to have a story about that. Because there was a girl that I dated, and it was great. Like, fun, like we always had a great time, we always enjoyed being together. But I really did kind of think of it as like a fun, like, girlfriend, you know, like, but like girlfriend, you know, not, not girlfriend, you know, that kind of thing. And, and I enjoyed being with her. And I think, well, for whatever reason, maybe she was a little bit more invested than I was. I was at a, a church camp and she surprised me and came to the camp. And when I saw her, I went, ran to her. I said, Hey, what are you doing here? And she jumped up and hugged me. And I said, Oh man, I love you. And I, and I literally meant it like, you know, love you. And, and she went, you do? I do too. And I went, oh. <laughs> like I had totally flippantly used something that is a powerful word. And I think it's important for us to talk to our children that you do not know what this is yet. It's okay. You don't have to feel the pressure to step your relationship to the next level. And I know we're talking about 9 to 11-year-olds. Be careful, though, because they'll write a note. Ah, so-and-so loves so-and-so. Like, be careful, okay? It's cute and funny, but it can cross a line. And so with that word love, sometimes comes expectations of more. But I love this person. So whatever we did with this person, that becomes the line of love. You get what I'm saying? So then the next person you date, I love them more. And if I love this person and we did this, then I really need to show this person that I love them even more. You see how our minds get twisted so quickly. Talk to your children about some of your mistakes. Guide them at the right time, the right stage, when it's appropriate. All right. Make time for conversations. We talked a little bit about this last time, about sexual abuse. Okay? Give you an example about this today. I talk to my kids always about keep your head on a swivel, what, when you're walking into places, I don't want you to be afraid. You shouldn't be afraid. But I do want you to be, you know, attentive. Watch for things. So today, Nick, I checked him out of school. We were going to a cross-country meet. We stopped at a gas station. He wanted to go in and get a quick bottle of water. So he went into the gas station. And I sat in the car, and I watched the front door. Now, he's 13 years old. He's, you know, 5'9". You know, he can, you know, Gage has beaten him up all of his life. So he can handle himself pretty good. But I watched that door, and so the moment he came back out of the door, our eyes met, and I could see him go, because right around the corner that I couldn't see, there was a man standing at that gas station door, and he was following him. He was watching every move that Nick made, and he just said, I didn't think, I wasn't scared of him, but I was watching him, and I was like, that's what I'm talking about. All right, I don't want my kids to be frightened, but I want them to be aware and I want them to be safe, and I want them to have their head on a swivel, not just for those kinds of things, but to be looking out for other people who may have a need, right? 
So let's, let's kind of train our kids to think that way. Create boundaries before they begin dating. I always talk about that. All right? And look, appropriate behavior with all peers, both male and female. Because we, we can't not think about the other temptations and the other things that are being planted in their minds now. And then finally get them in, involved in peer groups that will help support your views on sexuality. Now, I told all those statistics, and you can walk from here and go, man, we stink at this. But what I'm telling you is we probably are on the greater side of things. We probably are on the more moral end of things. But that's what we're working against in the world. And so I share those with you not to kick you in the gut or kick any of us parents in the gut, but to just say we can't keep being silent. We can't hold back. We have got to invest in our children and begin to talk to them about these things. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says what? Evil communications corrupts good morals, right? The idea is if you surround yourself with people, you're going to fill them with those kinds of things. Put them in a youth group at Madison Church of Christ and let these good kids and these good families be the village. Help each other out. Let's get them surrounded by people where the peer pressure is to do the right thing, to stay the course, to uphold God's laws, to honor Him in purity. All right, I think that's it. Maybe one more verse. Nope. Oh, yeah. Don't be unaware of your children's friends. Go ahead now, while they're 9 to 11, start setting standards for modesty. Go ahead and start doing it right now. Talk to them about screen times. Create safety nets. Covenant Eyes is a good program to put on your computer that, or your computer or your phones that helps monitor what is being put on the screen. And it will give updates to an accountability person uh, to help make sure that that's doing well. And then keep all these dialogues ongoing in natural conversations. Clear guidelines actually do provide security and comfort for our children. When they know what the rule is, when they know what the standard is, that actually helps them in making their decisions. All right, last thing, and this is it. I know this passage says fathers don't provoke, right? When we know like the King James Version or some of these more established standards, but I thought this one was good. This is like a common English Bible, and it just says this. As for parents, don't provoke your children to anger. In other words, don't come at them hard all the time, but raise them with discipline and instruction about the Lord. Right? In all of these things, God has got to be the hub of everything. All right. Love y'all. Have a great week. See you next week.